Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Prairie Dumpster Podcast with me, your host, Tyler Penner. Prairie Dumpster, of course, being the 412,968th best podcast in the goddamned universe, and you can't tell me different. You try every time to tell me, Tyler, this podcast blows, this podcast sucks, you suck, you're a bad person, you need to give it a rest, and by rest, I don't mean your podcast, I mean your life. End it. Tyler, please, end it. Um, I'm telling you that, no, we're not doing that. Not yet. Not yet. We're going to keep going, we're going to keep trucking, and we're going to... Uh, you know, just stay the goddamned course, for better or worse. Power through. Power through. I have a new lease on life, a new zest for life. Turns out that um, stone that was in my bile duct that I've been telling you about, that's been turning me yellow, as my friend said, uh, the very funny Jordan Wellwood said, uh, turning me into a Simpson character. Um, turns out it was just a stone in my body. It wasn't cancer. It wasn't pancreatic cancer. My mom was convinced that it was cancer. She's a nurse. Um, and she kept telling me, Tyler, you've got cancer. You've got pancreatic cancer. You're dying. This, that's just a certainty. Now it's just a matter of time before the doctors figure it out. But you are dying. And she told me this every day. She would just text me randomly. In the middle of the night, she'd be like, by the way, you are dying of cancer. You have cancer. And pancreatic cancer is the worst one. It's got like a 92% mortality rate. You're fucked. And I'd be like, mom, please, I'm trying to sleep. And she'd be like, really? Because you've probably got like three months left to live. You want to waste it sleeping? That's fine. Hey, do you. But I'm telling you right now, you're dying. Um, yeah, it turns out she was wrong. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of better now. I'll just give you a quick rundown of what happened, okay? I don't want to spend the whole time talking about me and my life, even though this whole podcast is about me. Um, so I don't know what the fuck you're bitching about. I don't know what you're bitching about. I, I say this every goddamn pod. No one's forcing you to listen to this. No one's forcing you to watch this. You understand? You don't like what this podcast has to offer. Fuck off. I don't care. All right? You checked it out. Thanks for checking it out. It wasn't for you. Hit the fucking bricks. Why are you just lounging around in a place that you hate criticizing it? You don't like it. Change the fucking channel, you piece of shit. Um, but that being said, I'll give you a quick rundown of what happened. Um, I, uh, for a long time now, and I've been saying this on the podcast on the, on, on the regular, by the way, we're recording this podcast for the first time in 4k, which is great because I just recently had an acne breakout. So that'll, that's good. That's good. That's good. That, that'll come in crystal clear. Fucking microscopic detail on every fucking pimple and blemish I have. That's good. That's great. Um, yeah, anyways. <laughs> the fucking 37, I'm still getting acne breakouts. It's ridiculous. 
Why? Because I ate an entire pizza last night and had a bunch of garlic naan. And yeah, maybe a slice of garlic bread on the side at midnight. And I haven't drank water, a sip of water in three weeks. And that's going to give me acne? God, when does it stop? When does all this stop? I am kidding. I'm drinking. I'm chugging water now. I drank four liters yesterday. I'm going to drink another four today. Um, we're just going to flush. System flush. System flush. My body needs water. I've realized recently that I've been operating at a level of mild to severe dehydration my entire fucking adult life. Turns out my body's like, literally, bro, we just need water. We just need a cup of water. 90% of your problems will go away if you just drink a cup of water. I'm like, all right, you're the boss. Large chocolate milk, please. And some orange crush. My body's like, that's not okay. Um, but the other day, I was feeling mite jaundiced. I was quite yellow. All right? And my stool. Don't get me started on my stool. God, you should have seen this stool. It was a stool for the, for the ages, really. Really, some record book stool. Guinness stool. It was incredible. I was just sitting there and I was just looking. I'm like, can you believe this stool? What is the deal with the stool? Who made this and why are you going to turn it into a chair? Um, but I had to go to the hospital. So I went to Concordia. I was like, enough fucking around, right? The Winnipeg healthcare system was so broken that they were like, oh, you've got a rock inside your body that's, that might cause you to die? All right, give it six months and we'll check it out. Literally, that's what they did. They were like, six months, wait till March and we'll go in there. And if you're still alive, we'll check it out. Um, so finally I went to the emergency. I'm like, no, we're not waiting forever. I'm not doing that. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll wait in the waiting room for as long as I have to. We are not waiting six months to get this fucking golf ball sized boulder out of one of my vital organs. It's not going to happen. All right. We got to take care of this now. I know you've got other patients on your plate, Winnipeg Healthcare, but I need service. All right. I need a tune up. So get out your fucking little tools or whatever you do and work on me. And they did. Nurses were great. Doctors were great. They're busting ass over there. I went to a different hospital this time. I went across town to a different hospital. And instead of waiting for 13 hours, I only had to wait for nine. I was like, wow, this is flying by. Barely had time to put the tent up. This is great. So I went in there and... um and it was great. They were surprisingly accommodating of my darting. They let me go out and dart on the regular. They were like, hey, dude, it, it, you know, you're already fucking sick. Go out for a dart. Take a load off. And then they made me stay there overnight. And to be told, I felt bad in the middle of the night. First of all, we were waiting there, and I had a great corner seat. I was in a corner. I had two seats beside me. This is a buffer zone over here. I had two seats over here. That was a buffer zone. 
There was a TV right above me. I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. I could wait here for a couple hours. This is not bad. Pretty good. And then some guy comes in and sits right beside me on the like in the corner to the point where I can't even stretch out my legs because his legs are there. And instantly I just fucking hated this man. There were other chairs available. There was two chairs over there. He wanted to cozy up to me. I don't know why this happens to me. People feel the need to cozy up to me. To get in close. I hated this man. He sat down there and he stretched out. And he was just like... He always did like loud yawns. Like every 45 seconds. And he was just sprawled out. Now I'm not a big like man spreading... You know what I mean? I'm not, it doesn't really bother me. I don't care. You know, if our legs touch, I'm cool with that. You know, a little bit of human contact, not a big deal to me. You know, am I semi-erect? Maybe. Depends on the knee. But this guy was taking it overboard. Like he sprawled out there like he owned the fucking place and it just really pissed me off. Because there was other people in there that were really sick and... I don't know, just the way he was behaving, it bothered me. I think it was just a loud yawns. He would just be like, every 45 seconds to the point where I was like, hey, shut the fuck up over there. You're tired. This lady's over here. She's old. She's crying. You know what I mean? This lady keeps gagging and, and dry heaving. Enough with the yawns. Suck it up now. Be quiet. Trying to watch Caillou. Um, And then some lady got called in and they have these like lazy boy recliners. They've got a bunch of like smaller crappier chairs, but then they had like three lazy boy recliners. There's all these old sick coughing people. This guy doesn't give a fuck. As soon as this lazy boy clears up, he hops in there, sprawls out, full recline. And I was just sitting there and I was like, I was seething. I just hated this guy so much. But then there was another sweet old lady. She came in there and she started talking to me. I think she was, uh, my friend had a theory that some people just go to the ER just because they're lonely. They want someone to talk to. They want someone to check them out. And that happens. I've seen that before. But uh, this lady wasn't one of those. She had blood tests, but she was just friendly. So she was a nice talker. And then at some point, the guy who I hate, he chimed in. Turns out he's a pretty nice guy. He was like, yeah, they sent me blah, blah, blah here for the, you know, the thing. But now I got to come back. It's a whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this guy's not bad. I don't hate him anymore. I didn't hate him. But I would never move in with him. Like if we had to have a roommate situation where he's like, hey, bro, Dude, you're paying what for rent now? Dude, you could pay one-third of that. Just move into my crib, dude. My wife left, man. We could just hang out. You just come chill. We could just play video games all day. Dude, it'd be sick. I'm like, I'm not doing that with you. Because 20 minutes after I get there, you're going to be on the couch. You're going to be like, <sighs> Anyways, hey, Tyler, I'm going to go take a shit. You're gonna, it's going to be a while. If you need to use the bathroom, probably do it now. I'm like, no, Doug, I'm good. He's like, are you sure? 
even if you think you might need to use the bathroom within the next like two hours, you should probably do it now because I'm going to be in there for a while. And then even after I get out, it's going to be at least half an hour before it's going to be ready to be used again. If you know what I mean, I'm about to fuck that bathroom up, bro. No, that's okay, Doug. I'm fine. You can go ahead. I'm just going to chill here. <sighs> All right. Like I fucking ate Doug. God damn it. I should never have moved in here. But I don't have a choice because I'm broke. My EI ran out. Now I have to live with Doug. And I think I could kill Doug. And I think I could get away with it. I really do. I could probably kill Doug and get away with it. Doug's wife just left him. Just left him. She took the kids. She left. And secretly, I mean, I'm the only one who knows that. I'm the only one who... And I mean, I'm not the only one who knows that his wife and kids left. I'm the only one who knows that secretly, he's stoked. He hated his wife, and he never really gave a shit about the kids. It's hard to say that because everyone loves their own kids, but not Doug. Doug doesn't really give a shit. He doesn't care. He never cared. He, he never wanted to be a dad. You know what I mean? The first one was an accident. And then the second one, his wife's like, well, let's start a family. And Doug's like, yeah, all right, fuck, I guess. But then Doug doesn't have quite have the balls to pull the trigger, especially on a marriage with two kids. He would have sat in that unhappy situation for the rest of his life. So he just started acting like a just a complete douche and tried to push her away and push everyone away. And he would sit there and she'd be cleaning the whole house for Christmas and got all the Christmas presents ready. And he'd be sitting on his ass on the couch. And over three or four years it worked. Finally, she was like, you know what, Doug, I've had enough. He's like, all right, get the fuck out. And he's secretly stoked that she left. But he I'm the only one who knows this. To his wife, he's been like, how could you? And to the kids, he's like, I love you. But it's all bullshit. It's all for the courts. So he doesn't have to pay a lot of alimony. Because his wife is a nice person. She's not going to, you know... She's not going to nail his ass to the wall for alimony payments if she thinks that his heart is absolutely shattered. She's going to take it easy on him. Because she doesn't want to kill Doug. She doesn't want to, like, murder his spirit. She just needs to take care of herself. She needs to get out of there. So Doug's just really hamming up the heartbreak. So then, courts, he gets a better financial deal. But that works to my advantage because now everyone thinks he's super heartbroken. So I, one day, could go to his room... And get a belt. And come up behind him. This is getting dark. But I mean this is how it would happen. I mean. You know. You get a belt. And you strangle him. <laughs> you strangle him. I'm sorry. You do. And then with his body still on the belt. You tie the belt up. On a hook or a raft or something. You got to work out the details, but there's a lot of ways that you can frame a suicide of Doug. And I could do that to Doug. I'm not, but I'm not going to. But I could. And I think about this when I hear Doug in the bathroom going, Ooh. 
But then I think to myself, well, why would you kill him? Doug's just being Doug. What are you doing? Why don't you get your shit together? Huh? No one forced you to move in with Doug. No one forced you to do anything. It's not Doug's fault that you're living with Doug. Doug didn't do that. You did that. Anyways. <laughs> um, so I stayed overnight in the hospital. <laughs> and, uh, and I felt bad. Uh, the nurse was nice. The nurse was great. But I was pushing the boundaries. I thought that I thought I had a lot more leeway than I did as far as like what I could do. You know, I told the nurse at one point, I'm like, yo, I'm just going to go to 7-Eleven uh, for some darts and a coffee. And this is at like one in the morning. And she was like, uh, no, Tyler, I wouldn't do that. I mean, we need to monitor you. you you've got a significant health issue, fairly significant. Uh, we can't have you walking half an hour to the local 7-Eleven for cigarettes and coffee. And I was like, fine. But then I told her, and not to be, I'm not trying to be a good guy. But I thought, but I like the, I don't actually want to be a good guy, but I want people to think that I'm a good guy. You know what I mean? So how I did this is I was like, I offered to give up my bed. And truth be told, it did bother me. It did bother me because in the waiting room, there's a bunch of, uh, I was like, when I would go for darts, I'd have to walk past the waiting room. There's a bunch of sick old people in there. <coughs> Another guy's just sitting there. Like, I'm like, holy shit, dude. Fucking brutal vibes in here. The vibes in that hospital waiting room were fucking awful. And it did, you know, rub me the wrong way because I was sitting there drinking apple juice and I was just watching a travel vlog on YouTube in my gitch, just laughing my ass off. And then it dawned on me, you know, there's people dying out there in chairs that are probably really uncomfortable. They could probably use an extra bed. I told the nurse this. And she was like, well, where would you go? I'm like, I don't know, in the waiting room? I could, you know, it's not a big deal. And she was like, no, no, just sit in your bed. You're fine. This is your bed now for the night. I was like, okay, cool. And secretly I was happy she said that, proving that I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not that good of a guy. I'm good enough to offer. But if someone, if they would have accepted the offer and kicked me back from the waiting room, I'd have been like, oh, fuck. Why'd you fucking... Why don't you just shut up? Keep the bed. I'm not that good of a guy. Um, yeah, but then a couple of days later, I went to... Uh, where did I go? Health Sciences Center. And they did a scope on me. They took a bunch of tubes and they jammed it down my throat. And before they did this, though, they got me some fentanyl. <laughs> yeah. Your boy rode the fentanyl train, and I got to tell you, it was overhyped as shit. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel the waves of brown sugar coursing through my veins, all right? It was not your typical heroin high. You know, like the Pulp Fiction heroin high? When John Travolta spikes up on the madman? 
that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted the train spotting. Even even McGregor fucking sinking into the floor when he ODs. That's what I wanted. Never got anything. All of a sudden, I was just passed out. And then I came to, and I could feel all these tubes in my throat. And I remember me going... And raising my head and being like... And then the lady was pushing my head down as they had a bunch of instruments jamming shit in my vital organs. It wasn't a good time. The next time I try heroin, trust me, I'm going to do it right. I'll light some scented candles and just jam a fucking 15-gauge syringe right in my jugular. I'll be like, now we're talking heroin. This heroin experience. My first heroin, my first dance with the fentanyl beast. Bullshit. Terrible. It was awful. But Dr. Lipschitz went in there and got a bunch of rocks out of my system and um, and put a stent in to open up that duct. And apparently there's a bunch of rocks still in there that they got to go fish out later. Lipschitz, apparently I was just filled with rocks. And Dr. Lipschitz is like, yeah, all right, fuck this guy. We'll come back to him. What time is it? 4.30? All right. Get him out of here. That's enough for today. He has half of the rocks out now. We'll take out the other half later. I'm, I don't know. I'm bored. So I want something new. And I was just in there. And he's like, shut up. Get him out of here. This guy's gross. You ever notice that? Yeah. You saw that? He's gross, eh? Fuck. His pancreas grosses me out. I've seen... Horrible diseases. This pancreas smells. But apparently my pancreas is fine. My liver is okay again. Um, But one thing that's reading me out, when I had a blood clot on my liver, uh, everyone keeps asking me, um, this is not engaging content. I keep talking. I've been talking about my internal organs for 22 minutes now. Why don't more people subscribe? I don't know. Maybe people don't want to hear 14 episodes about your fucking pancreas. Piece of shit. Maybe talk about something relevant to other people. Not only is your life not relevant, you're talking about something so specific. You're talking about one internal organ you have. It's incredible. This is the least accessible podcast of all time. I don't care. There's the door. There's the fucking door. See ya. Um, anywho. Everyone keeps asking me, everyone, I'm talking doctors, nurses, Safeway cashiers, uh, old pastors, people I knew back from my old church days in Niverville, coming up to me. Alfred will come up and Hey, what happened to your liver? I heard there's problems with it. I'm like, fuck it. Who are you? I know your dad. I'm like, I don't care, Alfred. How do you... <sighs> um, but everyone keeps asking me, Hey, man, with your liver, I mean, was there any, did you experience any trauma to your liver? 
And truth be told, I don't know. Other than the booze. Other than the booze. Other than the binge drinking and the eating. You know what I do, though, sometimes? I don't know if you do this. Maybe you do this. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But sometimes I'll be shadow boxing, you know, in my house. Like, But not like I'm a boxer, and it's not just like going through combinations. Like I'm in full fantasy mode that I'm in a street fight. And in a street fight, any street fight, you're going to take a little damage. And I'll actually kind of punch myself. Not hard, but I'll punch myself to mimic shots that he got in. Now, in these fantasies, I always come out on top. I always win the fight. Well, I don't always win the fight, but, like, I always get the respect of people that I'm fighting in front of. Because some guys, I mean, it's even in fantasy mode, it's not realistic that I'm going to beat them. If it's, like, some six-foot-five guy who's, like, a, you know, trained MMA striker guy, I'm not going to win that fight. But sometimes I'll fantasize that I'm fighting against him, and I'll get a couple of shots in to the point where he's kicking my ass— but at the end of the fight, it'd be like, all right, you got some skills, kid. You ever train? I'm like, no, this is the first fight I've ever had. He's like, whoa, not bad. She did the gym sometime, dude. I'll teach you some moves. I'll be like, no, thanks. I prefer to keep my fights on the street. And then everyone's like, oh, cool. Anyways, um... So sometimes I'll mimic getting punched and I may have, maybe I punched my, maybe I punched a blood clot in my liver. I don't know. I don't know, man. But I'm feeling okay now. I'm feeling okay. I'm not feeling great. But I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling okay enough to binge eat. And that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And truth be told, over the last month, I've lost like 14 pounds. It's not bad. But the writing's on the wall. I mean, I can't really, um, I can't really be uh, drinking anymore. I think that that's a chapter in my life that's pretty much closed. And truth be told, I'm fine with it. I'm over it. I'm over the drinking. I'm kind of over the drinking. You only have a certain amount of drinks in your life. Everyone does. Everyone only has a certain amount of drinks in my life in their life. I don't think that I'm never going to have another drink again, but for right now, I'm fine sober. Socializing is not as hard sober as I thought it would be. I thought I would be a mumbling, bumbling, fucking awkward, autistic idiot. (laughs) What? Would you say? Oh, yeah. No, it is nice out. Why? Oh, you're just saying? Okay. Um, how are you? What? Oh, you're good? Cool. What? Sorry, what did you say? Oh, no, I'm good too. Why? Oh, you're just... Oh, okay. That's what I thought every every conversation would be now that I've quit drinking. Um, not the case. Not the case. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. And I thought, honestly, it should be told, I, I don't think, I thought, you know, when I was, a, 
Man, when I was drunk, I was I was on fire. I was charismatic as hell. Look at me go. I could charm the pants off a nun. You couldn't. That's what I'm realizing. I know it was never charismatic when I was drunk. Chances are I was just sloppy. I really suffer from those drinking delusions where I was like, dude, I was on fire last night. I was talking to everybody, making everybody laugh. I was saying the funniest shit. People thought I was intriguing. They thought I was entertaining, charismatic, charming. I really was a god last night, especially after that 14th shot of cherry brandy. That's when I really hit the zone. That's when I really went in and really started making people have a good time. You didn't. It never was like that. They were probably smiling and laughing because you were such a sloppy, drooling, bumbling moron. And there's a certain point when someone is drunk and they're hilarious. It's funny. Um, but for the most part, uh, that lasts maybe half an hour before you cross that line where you're really too sloppy to enjoy. And I always cross that line by like 8 p.m. Every time I was drinking, the sun would still be out. And, I, and everyone would be like, yeah, this guy's too sloppy to even... This is not a thing. Plus, I did with drinking what I did with weed, which was make it part of my identity. And I'd be stumbling around fucking wasted at Rumors Comedy Club on a Tuesday. And people would be like, classic Tyler, he's hammered again classic Tyler and classic the definition of classic Tyler um, turned out to be just a fucking drunk sloppy idiot that's what I had to find myself as and I was like well I can't let the people down this is what they need this is what they expect of me it's time to hit it running and that's not the people's fault they probably never were expecting that I was just a moron like that you understand But now, it's a new me. New me. Um, not really. Really, that's what I'm finding out, too. Stopping drinking did not solve all my problems. It solved a few problems. Um, but it definitely didn't solve all of them. I thought, man, if only I could quit drinking, my productivity would fucking skyrocket. I would ha I'll write a novel in a week. I will fucking jog. I will get ripped in two days. I'll have a six-pack in, what time is it? 2.23? Give me till 4 p.m. I'll have a fucking six-pack that you could cut potatoes with. Potatoes for someone else because I'm off the carbs. That's not the case. I still like to sit around. I still like to do jack shit. I still procrastinate my fucking ass off. Um, and those are just Tyler things. That wasn't a drinking thing. Those are just Tyler things. But your productivity does go up a little bit. Because when in previous days you'd be drinking your ass off and having a great time doing that, now you got to find other things to do to occupy your time. And usually those things are more productive. Even if it's just going for a walk, um, even if it's just whatever, 
sitting at your computer reading some bullshit or watching YouTube videos about bullshit. It's a little better than getting shit-faced because at least the next day, you know, you're not going to be laying in bed going, what the fuck? What the fuck? Domino's? Yeah, I need some I need some cheese sticks and some pizza. Stat. Boneless wings on the double. At least you're not doing that. I'm not pissing away entire days. Every day I'll do a little something. Even if it's not much. So that's a bonus. Anyways. Enough about me. Fuck. I've actually been looking into narcissism. Um, and I wrote it down somewhere the other day where I just discovered I'm actually a big narcissist. Let's ask Chatbot about narcissism. Because he gave me some... Chatbot really... Whew, He's really laying truths out for me that um, other people don't. What are symptoms of narcissism? Narcissism. I like Chatbot because he gets over um, spelling errors. He sees right through them and he doesn't judge you for it. And I don't know why I'm, again, assigning a gender to uh chatbot if you believe in gender i don't know that's up to you let's not get into that here all right trying to gain subscribers not lose some all right narcissistic personality disorder is a mental health condition characterized by a pervasive pattern of grandiosity i mean that's me to a t right everything i think i do is it's grandiose you know, it just, I mean, I, I, for fucks, I've started my own paramilitary organization on the Patreon, which if you haven't signed up for yet, do it now. All right. As anyone who's not signed up for that Patreon, you're on the list of people that will be executed once I consolidate my power. Even most of the patrons are going to be executed once I consolidate power. I mean, that's a fact. But they at least have a chance of escaping immediate persecution, whereas anyone who's not subscribed to the Patreon, you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. So sign up for the Patreon. Is it worth it? Not really yet. But get in, get in on the ground floor. I'm telling you, we're going to do great things. We're going to save lives with that Patreon. And, and by lives, I mean your life. All right, your life and the lives of your children. Uh, grandiosity. <laughs> Individuals with NPD often have an exaggerated sense of their own importance. Now, one might say that me becoming some sort of, um, uh, you know, undisputed and um, uh, infallible ruler of. Uh, some sort of future totalitarian regime might be an example of an exaggerated sense of their own importance. That's not exaggerated. What is exaggerated is the little shit like um, how everyone expects me to be this and everyone expects me to do that. And everyone's like looking at me to see how I, no one gives a fuck about me. 
I got 27 subscribers on the fucking YouTube. All right? I've got 340 followers on Instagram. And I've got 27 subscribers on YouTube. That's less than 10% of even my close friends and family that choose to support this podcast. You understand that? No one gives a fuck about me. And I say that in a good way. No one's watching me. Everyone's doing their own shit. So I'm like, oh, well, I better have some drinks tonight. Well, the people think if I don't have the drinks, oh, no, can't let the people down. When 90% of the people who I'm drinking for are looking at me going, what's his name again? Who's that guy? Is that Trevor? He's a welder, right? Tyler? Okay. Oh, his name's Tyler? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I, I've, I think I've met that guy a couple of times. He is a welder, right? No? What does he do? Comedy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I remember who he is. All right. No, we don't have to say hi. It's fine. Let's just... Um, you want to find some other place to hang out? No one's doing that. They may exaggerate their achievements and talents and expect to be recognized as superior without commensurate achievements. Um, I do that a little bit. I mean, this podcast is the greatest podcast on the internet, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't know. Fantasies of unlimited success, power, <laughs> brilliance, or beauty. Um, narcissists may have unrealistic fantasies about success, power, or beauty. They may believe they are special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high-status people or institutions. Um, yeah, I have fantasies about future unlimited success, power, brilliance, or beauty. I don't think I have any of that now, but I'm not going to lie. I do have fantasies about in the future someday uh, me being worshipped by people um, and being admired. Wow. Holy shit, dude. Tyler, have you seen what Tyler's doing? Have you seen this guy? Man, he's rich. He's hot. He's super funny. But it's like smart. And man, he's like cool and he's nice and he's the best. And wow, he's like the man. I do think about that. I think a lot of people do. They think about themselves in terms of those are the goals that you want to achieve, which is fine. It sets some sort of goal. But at some point, you got to realize, hey, bro, you're just another turd in the toilet, all right? You're just floating with the rest of them, which you shouldn't be floating. That's a sign of an unhealthy stool. And let me tell you, I know about stool, all right? I know what the deal is with stool. I've done research on stool. Uh-oh. 
bums out there yelling. Nice. Okay. Excessive need for admiration. 100% I have that. I need pats on the back. I need those pats on the back. Which is why I'm always fucking begging my followers for a little bit of feedback. Which I've been getting. My old cousin. Not my old cousin. He's still my cousin. I think he's still my... I think we're cousins or something. That's the thing about Mennonite families. You never know. He's like, second my cousin? Second or third? Oh, it's like a combo? How does that work? Oh, because our parents are third cousins and his parents are third cousins. But on their side, on their mom's side, they're second cousins. Okay, so he's actually my brother, but I'm his dad. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, oh, okay. Sick. So I'm actually a grandpa. Mennonite family trees. It's a lot of uh, tangled branches. Um, but anyways, um, he actually bought Oikos Cappuccino Greek-flavored yogurt. His wife did because of this podcast. And I don't know if you're listening, fucking representative from Oikos, but I just pushed a sale in your direction. So you should probably start giving me money. But anyways, any feedback I get from the podcast is really, um, any feedback I get from the podcast, from the fa- from fans of the podcast, any feedback I get is, is uh, welcomed and appreciated. And I need it. I need it. If I don't have people Telling me that what I'm doing is good. Then what the fuck are we doing it for? What are we doing this for? If it's not for admiration. Huh? If it's not for people coming up and being, Tyler, I love you. You're better than anyone. And I want to have your children right now, right here on this bus. Then what, what am I even doing the podcast for? What are we even shooting the shit for? Because I like the work. <laughs> Don't get fucking dumb with me. All right. I hate doing this. This is just an avenue to getting famous. Which podcasts, if you don't know about anything about podcasts, especially Winnipeg podcasts, it's the quickest way to gain a ton of followers. Maybe one day I'll be featured on the likes of Winnipeg Wild, and I guarantee you I will be, but it'll be for some fucking Walmart fight where some guy's beating the dog shit out of me, and I'm cowering, holding on to a box of bite-sized coffee crisp. Coffee crisp. God damn it. Sense of entitlement. I have that, and I should have that. I just, I'm entitled to that. Narcissists often have a sense of entitlement and believe that they deserve special treatment. They may expect others to comply with their expectations without question. Now, this is something I, I I mean, truth be told, I do expect others to comply with my expectations without question. And this is not something I'm looking to change. This is something that I'm just looking for ways to enforce. And once my power is consolidated, trust me, you'll comply.
exploitative behavior. Individuals with NPD may take advantage of others to achieve their own goals. Um, they may exploit others for personal gain and lack empathy for the feelings or needs of others. I don't really feel like I do this, but I feel like I'm going to start. I'm going to start doing this. We're going to start exploiting people for my own gain. Like, I'm going to start, I mean, we got to do, we got to start working on this podcast and really start taking it to new levels. And I think what I'm going to start doing is going to Little Caesars and getting some 10 or 15 hot and readies and then just start hitting the bus shacks of downtown Winnipeg and start passing it out to these um, heroin riddled bums. And I'm going to give them a pizza and I'm going to put it on TikTok. And I'm going to be like, here's a pizza, stinky bum. Uh, say thank you for the cameras. Hey, hey, bum. Eat the, you take a slice of the pizza. I'm going to get a clip of this, okay? And then look at the camera and say, thank you, Tyler. You're an angel. Say it now or I'll take that fucking pizza back and I'll kick the shit out of you. And what are you going to do? Defend yourself? Not happening. You're strung out. You're so dope sick you can barely stand. Hey, asshole. Eat the fucking pizza. All right. Okay. I'm recording now. All right. Hey guys, we're downtown Winnipeg just trying to spread the love and spread the joy. You know how it is out here. It's tough. And we all got to do our part, guys. We all got to do our part to make Winnipeg and to make life a better place. All right. No, don't eat the fucking pizza. I got to save that clip. I'm going to use CapCut to fucking line it up together. Hey, bum. If you want a slice of this pizza and the 20 bucks I promised you, you better start learning how to take some fucking orders. Okay? And when I say action, then you do what I told you. Do you even remember your fucking lines? Holy fuck, you stink like shit, dude. All right, here we go. Action. All right, that was pretty good. But but really emphasize my name, Tyler. And emphasize that I'm an angel, okay? And just really say thank you, okay? Let's do it again. Don't fuck it up, dude. You got one more take, and I'm going to take this pizza, and I'm going to give it to that bum, all right? Do it. So anyways, I think I'm going to start doing that because we got to, you know, we got to drive up viewers to this podcast, and um, I have no problem exploiting the homeless to get some subscribers and mainly to just let people know that I'm a good guy. I'm good I'm a good person. I work with the disenfranchised whatevers. Lack of empathy. A lack of empathy is a hallmark trait of narcissism. Narcissists may be unwilling or unable to recognize the needs and feelings of others. They may disregard the feelings of others and have difficulty forming genuine emotional connections. Well, I don't have that one, but... uh, even if I did, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> fuck you. Envy of others or belief that others are envious of them. Narcissists may be envious of others or believe that others are envious of them. This can lead to a competitive and resentful attitude towards others. Well, I don't know if I have that.
I definitely have that. <laughs> Full disclosure. I definitely have that. I've got a competition in me, Eli. Um, there will be blood. I gotta watch that movie again. Anyways, uh, yeah. Takes a long time to realize that life is not a competition. And it's not a zero-sum game. So when other people have success, it doesn't mean that they just fucked up your chances of success. And this is big in the comedy scene. This is big in the comedy world. All right, You see some guy who's blowing up on whatever, on Instagram. Some guy from... Or even just clip to clip. Some dickhead in Iowa doing the hackiest shit. And he's got 2.4 million views on his reel. And now you see he's got a whole tour lined up. And you're going through his Instagram account. You're like, this fucker is not funny at all. What the fuck is going on? This is bullshit. I'm sitting out here in just... You know... Operating under in complete obscurity. No one's recognized my genius, my art. And yet this fucker from Ames, Iowa. Nah, let's go with uh, Ames is okay. What's the other one? What are some Iowa towns? Iowa. It's Iowa City, I think. Well, let's, uh, let's take a look here. Des Moines. How could I forget about Des Moines? Fucking Slipknot. Anyways, some guy from Des Moines, Iowa or something is just blowing up. It's hard as a comic to not be like, what the fuck do people want? And I know this, and I, and I get envious on behalf of other people. I get envious on behalf of my buddies where I'm like, this guy is hilarious. He should be bigger than where he is, and he should be bigger than a lot of the people out there. So, yeah, I got one of those. Arrogant or hoity behavior. Individuals with NPD may display arrogant and hoity, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Oh, man, it's going to fucking drive me crazy. God damn it. Haughty. 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 Arrogantly superior and disdainful. Uh, they may belittle, demean, or condescend to others. Well, I do that all the time. So let's fucking go through the list. I mean, grandiosity, got it. Fantasies of unlimited success, power, and brilliance, 0. 0.5. Uh, excessive need for admiration, got it. Sense of entitlement, yes. Exploitive behavior, 0. 0.5. Lack of empathy, not really. Uh, envy of others, got it. Arrogant and hoity behavior, not really. So that's one, two, three... Four, four and a half, five and a half. I've got five and a half out of eight. Let's do the percentage on this. 5.5 divided by eight equals 68%, 69, 69%. 69%. So when it comes to, I'm a, I'm a C plus narcissist. I'm an average narcissist. That's not good. That's not good.
This is not good, people. Chatbot. How does one cure NPD? Narcissistic personality disorder. Um, it's important to note that there is no simple cure for it. God damn it. I was hoping you'd just say fentanyl. Psychotherapy. Talk therapy. Not doing it. Building empathy. Empathy is often lacking in individuals with NPD. Therapist work not happening. Developing realistic self-image. How do we do that? Therapy. Ah, God, fuck off with the therapy. I don't have money for therapy. All right? And also, I mean, I'm a narcissist, so there's no fucking shrink that's going to open my eyes. I'm smarter than any shrink out there. These fucking quacks. They're not going to, what, you're going to come into my head, tell me what to do? I'm smarter than you, Carl Young. Addressing underlying issues. Nah, we don't need to go there. Improving interpersonal relationships. Here we go. Fucking. Therapy can focus on improving interpersonal skills, communication, and relationship building. This may involve learning how to give and receive feedback. I'll give it. Not interested in receiving it. Resolving conflicts. Don't start shit. There won't be shit. And understanding the needs and perspectives of others. Medication. Here we go. Medication is generally not the primary treatment. Ugh. But in some cases, individuals with NPD may also experience symptoms of depression or anxiety, which could be addressed with medication. What kind of medication? Chatbot? Antidepressants. Nice. Anti-anxiety medications, mood stabilizers. All right, nice. We're talking opiates. We're talking benzos. Thank you, chatbot. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyways, bottom line is I may be a narcissist. Wow, the lighting's great right now. This is great lighting. Um, I look like one of those YouTubers. Those YouTubers who make millions of dollars just talking about other YouTubers. That's a huge, very successful genre of YouTubing now. It's just YouTubers talking about other YouTubers who talk about YouTubing. Literally, it's just a giant circle jerk. I'm sorry. And I realize that it's ironic me saying this on YouTube. But come on, people. This is... Did you hear what happened with Keemstar and the drama between blah, blah, blah? Keemstar commented on another YouTube channel, which is a YouTube channel dedicated to criticizing other YouTubers on the YouTube platform. And here's what I think about Keemstar criticizing other YouTubers. Keemstar criticizes YouTubers often unfairly. And I understand... Shut up. <laughs> Stop feeding into the circle jerk. Can we create original content... You can say what you want about the mukbang crew, but at least they're fucking creating content. What's that guy's name? Nick Avocado? That guy's creating a lot of shit. In fact, he's creating a second YouTuber inside himself. Um, but yeah, they always have fantastic production. Those, 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 those YouTubers always, they look 
the way they do it, it looks incredible. But then all they talk about is YouTube drama. And these other YouTubers are often just YouTubers. It's just like some... Who's that makeup person that was just like... These YouTubers always, they always start the same. They always like, they start off with a simple, cool, grassroots type channel, zooming in on some niche market, fucking anime or makeup or something like that. And then throughout the course of their thousands of videos that they put out every goddamn day, uh, they might have dropped a few racial slurs or said something offensive. And then they have to do an apology for it. And then every fucking YouTuber across the world chimes in and gives them their answer. Like, here's what I think about the apology uh, that she sent to the fucking YouTube. Here's what I think of his analysis on the apology. And then it just creates this circle jerk. And everyone's making a shit ton of cash. Because it is engaging content. I watch this shit all the time. But, I mean, come on, man. Be like me. You should all be like me because I'm great, not a narcissist, just a great guy who's slightly better than everyone else and really uh, will one day consolidate power into some ungodly regime um, that will probably take this world into the future. But I create art, and it's great. It's cut above. I'm just a little better than everyone. And not a narcissist. But I'll take the medication for it. Anyways, uh, let's do... This podcast has been all over the place. I'm not sure where we've been going. It's 58 minutes in. I've talked about my pancreas and being a narcissist. The entire thing. Hey. No one's holding a gun to your head, you fuck. Get out of here. Get the fuck out. You don't have to listen to this podcast. Uh, but thank you if you are, for real. I um, One of our patrons, Risha, who has been a Prairie Dumpster fan from the fucking get-go. Real solid, solid shit and i've said this on the patreon a bunch of times once i do consolidate my power and we're digging mass graves uh she will also be executed because risha's the only real threat to my power but risha is such a good fan that after uh, her execution which is an accident uh we are going to erect a giant statue in her honor in the town square um that's how great she is and she is a number one fan and so I really appreciate her, and I appreciate all the other people, because I got my little Spotify wrap-up, and for, I think, 26% or something, this is in their top 10 of the podcasts, and for 10% of my audience, this is in the top five, and for, I think, like, 5% of my audience, this is in the top, this is the number one podcast. Five people. Five percent of people. I have 37 listeners on Spotify. 37 followers times 0 0.05 equals 1.85. So that's two people. For two people, this is the number one podcast they listen to. Those two people are elite. You understand? You will be once I consolidate my power, you will um you will be in my inner sanctum. 
What does sanctum mean? Sanctum meaning sacred place, especially a shrine within a temple or church. Yeah, they're a private place from which most people are excluded. Inner sanctum. Anyways, let's look up. This is, this is episode number 40. 40 episodes. It's, it's sick, dude. I'm actually stoked. We're doing it, man. Numerology meaning of 40. Sarah Scoop. Fuck off. See, Sarah Scoop always talks about angels having numbers. Maybe she thinks the angels are numbers. Sarah Scoop, by the way. SarahScoop.com. One of the ugliest web pages of all time. Um, but at the same time, I mean, she's given she's given you the hard facts when it comes to the meaning of numbers. Because numbers have meaning, don't they? I don't know. Do you believe in the power of numbers? Some people do, and some people don't. But whether you believe in numerology or not, there's no denying that certain numbers have a special meaning. Can't you deny that? Maybe. No, nah, maybe not. 9-11. No one's going to debate that that number has a special meaning. For example, the number 40 is often associated with change and new beginnings. Ah, fuck. Every number is associated with new beginnings. Uh, the Italian word for 40 is known as quaranta. Well, that's cool. The possible meanings of this number emit a positive message and solid foundation for various situations. The universal language of this number can help with new inspiration. Why are all the meanings positive on numbers? You'd think one day I'd be like, what's the meaning of the number 73? It means you're a fucking loser. If you see this number all the time, it means you're a dipshit. You're fucking, you're a moron. If 73 is your number, that that the angel, number 73, he's fucking, he's an idiot. And he's a bit of a dick. He's a narcissist. If you see the number 73 kicking around anywhere, you're a goddamn narcissist. So get on the benzos and start drugging yourself up just to make yourself a little more bearable for other people. But no, they're always like, hey, yeah, good for you. You saw the fucking, you saw the 40. This means it's going to be a new beginning for you. It means good stuff. They can't all mean good things, can they? The energy a number represents can be thought of as a number's essence. It's basic tone or vibration. Now we're getting into cool shit. 40. 40 of something. <laughs> Fuck. I'm such a goddamn idiot. And I'm trying to talk about something I have no knowledge of, which is a good idea for a podcast, really. This is what this podcast is about. It's moron. It's it's one fucking idiot. Um speculating at shit he really shouldn't even be learning about. Um, But if we're talking vibrations, right, we're talking about tones, we don't know what certain numbers do. They might be like colors, wavelengths, right? UV rays, space shit, sound, gravity. 
you know? Quantum. Molecules, atoms, electrons. Protons, neutrons. Neutrinos. Energies manipulated with string theory. And how this applies to dimensional universes, multiverse, and the number 40. As an overview, the essence of the number 40 is a composite containing the ideas of pragmatism, dignity, security, focus, method, dedication. Ah, yeah, cool. Meanings of the number 40 are interpretations of the essence in relation to its numerology chart position. Here are example interpretations of the number 40. If the number 40 is in the life path position of the chart, it means the events... In have a preponderance of things practical. Anyways, whatever. I don't even know what chart they're talking about. It's a composite of the number four and zero. Um, foundation number is four. Number four, energy meaning. Focus on long-term security. I don't fucking know. Oh, God. Wouldn't that be cool if, like, someday we found out that all this astrology shit and this numerology shit and all this, like, pseudo-scientific, spiritual whatever, it was all true? It all was true. Your horoscope was true. Everyone who has lived or who has ever lived or who will ever live uh, can all be divided into pretty much 12 segments. Um, Libra horoscope today. I am a Libra. And I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't even know what my symbol is. But let's see what Vogue India says my horoscope is today. Because those Indians, East Indians, are, um, they are, they're into that weird yogi spiritual shit. So I trust them. Wouldn't fucking eat a goddamn thing they tried to serve me. <laughs> but I'll listen to them talk about religion and spirituality. But no, I don't want that rice. You just I just saw how you made that. There's flies. I saw a fly land in there, and then I saw you stir it around. That's disgusting. But what's my horoscope? So anyways, Vogue India. Libra horoscope today, December 1st, 2023. But you are source. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. You are spirit dancing the dance of life in human form. I like this. This is positive. All you have to do is recognize the truth. The truth is, I'm a goddamn narcissist. Who, but like a narcissist with backing. I'm a narcissist. That's like, no, but you, are, you actually are better than everyone. Um, Libra, consider this soul scope as your reminder to connect with your body and breath to traverse inwards 
and to tap into the infinite source of magic that lies within. Oh, is that what those rocks in my bile duct are? That's magic? Excuse me, doctor? Stop, stop stealing my magic. Speaking of magic, remember that there's no right or wrong way to connect with the divine. Trust the revelations, the downloads you are receiving at this moment. Oh, God. The truth is, I gotta take a shit. Excuse me. Anyways, your path is unique and personal to you, child of Venus. Cosmic tip. Child of Venus? Cosmic tip. Your unique path is being revealed to you. All right, I'll take it. Unique path. When I read that stuff, I'm like, okay, buddy, <laughs> sure. But deep down, I want to believe. I want to believe in it. I want to believe that my unique path is being revealed to me. I want to believe that I've got infinite sources of magic in me. And I do believe it a little bit because I want to believe in it. It would make things a lot more interesting. It'd make my life a lot more interesting. If I thought that, hey, man, I'm not just out here dicking the dog and not doing shit by avoiding climbing the corporate ladder. I'm not just lazy. I'm chasing something else. I'm chasing the divine. I'm chasing inner blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to reveal my inner magic. That'd be so sick if I could do that. It's like, dude, you're 38. You're still, what are you, you're, st you're still dicking around on a podcast? What do you do for work? And I'm like, Doug, it's a long story. You don't get it. Okay, but like, I'm actually chasing the divine. And he's like, the divine? Uh, what's that? Uh. And I'm like, I don't quite know yet. I don't know, but I'm chasing it. It's like, if you don't know what it is, how do you know you're even chasing it? I'm like, I just feel called to chase it. Called by who? That was like bullshit. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Doug's making me on now. It might be bullshit, but don't you ever feel... Like, you have some, like, inner magic in you, Doug. Don't you ever feel like maybe there's something greater than what we've been given or what we've been told? Don't you feel like we've been sold something that isn't necessarily as cool as what this life could be? Don't you ever feel sometimes like Maybe we could tap into something greater than the physical. Don't you ever feel that way? Have you ever had a moment where you caught a glimpse of something or felt something for a goddamn second that maybe, maybe 
everything we have here and everything we do is bullshit. And there's something way bigger out there beyond us. You ever feel that way, Doug? Fuck no, man. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Hey, Doug. Um, what's that? Uh, what? <laughs> and then I killed Doug. I did kill him. I killed him after all. And that's the podcast today. A buck 12. An hour 12 minutes. Hopefully this is recording. Is this recording? We are recording. Nice. Um, that is the podcast. Shout out to... Shout out to Aladdin's Pizzeria. Aladdin. Um, they actually have a good pizza. They remind me of the old, uh, the old Chicken Chef pizza from Niverville, Manitoba. Um... Which back in the day, Chicken Chef made a hell of a za. They really did. They'd cook the pizza. The crust was uh, nice and soft, but not too soft. Always a healthy layer of cheese. And they always baked the pizza long enough so that the cheese was almost a little burnt. They almost burnt the little, almost burnt it a little bit, but not quite. They took it out just before it started to burn. And cheese is one of the few things that you can burn and it still tastes good. You can burn the shit out of cheese. You can literally just fry cheese in a frying pan until it's black. And that crispy black charred thing, it still tastes pretty good. There's not a lot of foods out there that you can burn and it'll still taste good. What's another one? Burnt, um... Maybe not black charred it, but you can burn it. You can overcook the shit out of cheese, especially when it's just crispy. You get those crispy cheese chips. It's so good, especially on a pizza, though. When you burn it, when you when you cook it long enough that that pizza, the crust is starting to really brown. It's not golden brown. It's not just melted. It's like brown brown. Um, God, is that a good taste? The burn actually adds something to the flavor of the cheese. It, it turns it into a whole other thing that is even more delicious than just regular melted cheese. God damn it, I love cheese. And that's what Aladdin does. Nice, nice dark brown cheese on that thing. Super good. And then I got some naan yesterday, which I'm starting to realize that's a waste of money. I mean, because they're really mailing in the naan over there. I used to be a big naan fan. It's just a piece of bread with some garlic butter rubbed out, and they're barely toasting it. They're barely doing anything. Yesterday, they really fucking half-assed that naan yesterday. Nothing worse than that. Nothing worse than a half-assed naan. You put zero effort into this naan, Aladdin. But goddamn it, that was a good pizza. So shout out to Aladdin's. Go get their pizza one time. Try their pizza. If you've got any pizza recommendations, let me know. Because the doctor put a stent in my bile duct. And that shit is flowing now. And I want to put that stent to work. And shout out to... Um, shout out to my boy Welly. Jordan Wellwood. For checking up on me. During my time of illness. And shout out to my boy Andy. For checking up on me. 
during my time of illness. And shout out to all the boys in the thread. And um, yeah, shout shout out to you. And let me tell you, should that chat ever leak, oh, oh, it's it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Wrap it up. A lot of careers down the tubes. <laughs> I love seeing these memes about um, just like what would happen if the group chat leaks. This is one of those. And I like it. Every friend group should have that. Every friend group should have a group. A chat group where it's like, oh man, yeah, if this leaks, we're all fucked. There's a bunch of comics in a room. You're gonna say, you're gonna say some shit, and I'm probably, uh, you know, I'm probably, I probably shouldn't have said this on the podcast. I'm probably gonna get some heat for this. Nah, eh, fuck it, whatever. Anyways, uh, shout out to those boys. It's good to have. I'm lucky to have the friends I do. I'm lucky to have this podcast, and I'm lucky to have the fans I do. Honestly, you guys are the shit. Today's closing song is going to be a song called, um, oh, let's take a look here. I have the song. I forget what it's called. It's a little song called, um, oh, what the fuck? That Little Sports Car by a band called The Shags. Now, the Shags are a trio, and chances are you've heard about the Shags. The Shags are a legendary group. Um, it's three uh, women who were pretty much uh, forced into a band by their father, um, who believed, according to Wikipedia, it says, the Shags formed at the insistence of their father, Austin Wiggin, who believed that his mother had predicted their rise to fame. And they released an album called Philosophy of the World, and it was recorded in 1969, okay? And it was released in limited quantities, um, and it received no attention. Um, the Shags themselves, the members of the group, it says here, had no interest in becoming musicians and never became proficient in songwriting or performing. Um, it, it features bizarre songs. With badly tuned guitars, erratically shifting time signatures, disconnected drum parts, wandering melodies, and rudimentary lyrics about pets and families. It's, it's, it has been described, according to Wikipedia, as both among the worst records of all time and a work of accidental genius. This album is so fucking bad. It's the worst thing ever that it's awesome. And the reason why anyone even knows about this is because uh, it started this album, uh, started gaining notoriety among musicians, namely Frank Zappa and Kurt Cobain. And then they re-released it. And then it started getting uh, reviews from Rolling Stone and the Village of Voice and stuff like that. So the Shags were formed in 65 by teenage sisters Dorothy, Betty, and Helen Wiggin. And... Um, when Austin was young, his mother had read his palm and made three predictions. He would marry a strawberry blonde woman. He would have two sons after she had died, and his daughters would form a popular band. When the first two predictions proved 
predictions proved accurate, Austin set about fulfilling the third. So he takes his daughters and he jams them into this band that they don't want to be in. And he says, let's go. Write the fucking tunes. And they do. But they don't want to be in this band. And they write tunes and they don't know how to play their instruments. They're really bad at it. And then years later, they actually become pretty popular. And they recently started playing shows again. Austin actually withdrew his daughters from school, bought them instruments, and arranged for them to receive music and vocal lessons. The sisters had no interest in becoming musicians and did not enjoy the rehearsals. Dot later said, Our father was stubborn and he could be temperamental. He directed, we obeyed, or did our best. Um... One producer, when they were recording the album, said, uh, We shut the control room doors and rolled on the floor laughing. Just rolled. It was horrible. They did not know what they were doing, but they thought it was okay. They were just in another world. He said the girls smelled like cows right off the farm. Not a dirty smell, just smelled like cows. Which, that's not really important how they s- smelled. But... um. Due to its sloppy playing and mostly nonsensical lyrics, the album became a favorite among collectors and has been called proto-punk by some critics. Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain listed Philosophy of the World as his fifth favorite album of all time. That's just Kurt being a dick. That's just... And anyone who actually calls this proto-punk is just a fucking hipster idiot. This is not proto-punk. This is, and if it is, it's accidental. But um, Chris Connolly in the Rolling Stones said, without exaggeration, it may stand as the worst album ever recorded. And the New Yorker says, uh, describe the album as hauntingly bad. And it is so bad. But it is good. They're not wrong. It's it's fun to listen to. It's It's not boring. It's not boring at all. And boring is the one unforgivable sin in life. If your life is boring, unforgivable. If it's really good, cool. If it's really bad, neat. Boring, not allowed. And this album's not boring. It's fucking awesome. Um, so who knows? Maybe it is proto-punk. It's anti-music, man. So this is a song called uh, That Little Sports Car by the Shags. And that's the podcast today. You guys have been great. And I've been better than you. So I've been really great. Um, And I don't know. I'm just, I feel like I'm just destined for big things. Kind of special. It's going to happen for me. We're going to do it. I'm going to do it. You won't. I will. You're not going to. And that's a fact. And it will remain a fact until the doctors give me some benzos. <laughs> but anyways, I do love you. I think about you all the time still. And uh, I will see you. Patrons, I'm going to see you soon. I'm sorry. I've been in the hospital for fucking two weeks. All right? I got shit on the go. Give me a goddamn break. Um, but yeah, I love you. And I'll see you in hell. 
honors and over 